This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. I'd love to get to 100, wouldn't you? As long as I'm fit, I want quality of life. Most people my age are on up to five prescription drugs a day. I'm on none, and I really want to keep it that way, which is why I'll carry on exercising and fasting. Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. We call it Llama. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Our guest today is Susie Grant. Susie is, and I'm using her own words here, a former chain-smoking, hard-drinking TV and radio reporter who decided to take stock of her health when her mother died of a heart attack at the age of 63. Well, now Susie is a prolific lifestyle blogger and practicing nutritionist. She is the author of several books, including Alternative Aging, The Natural Way to Hold Back the Years. She lives in Brighton in the UK. She is 68 years old. Susie, welcome to the Lama Podcast. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. It's wonderful to see you. Chain smoking, hard drinking. That sounds like a familiar story in... The business that I'm still in and that you used to be in. It is, isn't it? And of course, it was the 80s and 90s, Peter, when people did smoke a lot. And we used to go out for five-hour boozy lunches. And, you know, we had such a, a huge number of staff in those days that you could actually spend most of the afternoon in a restaurant. And then somebody would come in and say, anyone got their passport? You've got to go to Greece. That actually happened to yeah. me yeah. to I, cover I a story. Yeah. Yeah. The good old days. But, uh, well, so maybe some more debate whether they were the good old days. Quite. But they were, maybe they were fun days. But things changed for you. Actually, just tell us first of all, what did you do? I was a reporter and sometimes newsreader and started in radio and finished in TV and to this day still love doing radio. I still do radio in my city in Brighton, BBC Sussex. Oh, excellent. And I do that regularly. And I've done a lot of TV recently. As a guest, though, I'm on the other side, but I do love it. And for listeners to this in the UK, we're talking Capital Radio in London, TV AM in the very early days. That was a wonderful job. Well, Capital Radio in particular was great because I got to do the news and weather with Graham Dean, for those old enough to remember. And I did that for a year. And it was such fun because I got to listen to music which I still love to this day, and have fun. It was it was a, a like a two handed program. We just you know, batted off each other, and we both we knew each other from our early days at the BBC. He was in the record library, and I was in news information. So when we were mere teenagers, we knew each other. So it was great. And then I got into TV, um, which I'm sure you will agree is a completely different animal, different and kettle of fish, isn't it? So Totally different kettle of fish and and annoying. I find TV quite annoying to this day um, because there's so much that you know. Oh, well, can you do another take? Oh, I didn't like that angle with the camera. Can you? I like doing things for live and then it's done. Um, but TVAM was good to me because I did one year of showbiz and got to fly 
all around the world doing things like interviewing Gloria Estefan in her private house on her private island in Miami. So it was it was great. I did hard news as well, but I was always better at features. I'm definitely a features girl and always had a, an absolute passion for fashion, which I can now do, and, and a passion for health. I think we could sit here for a long time and just share showbiz stories. We, we certainly could. But we're going to talk about living long and mastering ageing. So I'm curious what made you give it all up? What made me give it all up was when I was just 42, my mum died of a massive coronary heart attack. I mean, she just dropped down dead in Spain and she was only 63. So five years younger than I am now. And because she was such a healthy woman, she was Bulgarian. She met my dad in Prague. They moved back to England. And I was brought up, Peter, on the healthiest diet you can imagine in the 50s. She went to the chemist, to the pharmacy for any Americans listening. She went to the chemist to get her olive oil because the chemist was the only place they sold it in little bottles um, for earwax, basically. People didn't eat olive oil in England in the 50s. So she brought me up on basically a Mediterranean diet. We grew our own veg. She she loved growing veg. She brought me up on lots of salads, which I loved from the age of four and still do above any other food. Fresh tomato salads, fresh food. We didn't eat a lot of meat in those days. Nothing was processed. So for her to drop down dead of a massive heart attack so young was horrifying and shocking. And I decided then and there to take stock of my own life because I want to live long and healthy. And so my journey to better health, even though I ate healthily, the rest of my life wasn't too healthy. um, That's when the journey started. And I started training as a nutritionist in the late 90s. What's very sad about my poor mum was she wasn't so happy in her older days and she took absolutely no exercise, was overweight, started smoking and drank heavily. So it wasn't anything to do with the diet. It was all the other things. All the other stuff that she was just doing wrong. Exactly. So I'm still a great believer, even though I did three to four years training as a nutritionist and saw hundreds of clients in my time. It's not just about the diet, as I know you appreciate. It's about everything else. Oh, it's a big picture, isn't it? I'm curious, in terms of the transition from working as a television radio person on the air and used to microphones and and cameras and and that kind of lifestyle, to going back to studying, as you say, for several years, how did that feel just essentially going back to the classroom I loved it it was part time and I was still doing the odd TV shift and the odd news reading shift and media training and writing and of course thinking about writing books so um, I loved it because I was learning I particularly adored the physiology side the anatomy side and learning a very holistic form of nutrition I was actually trained as a naturopathic nutritionist so it's very much in keeping with many of the guests that you have on this wonderful podcast, believing that, you know, the body will heal itself if you give it the right tools. So it wasn't about eating your five veg a day or cutting down on sugar. It was very much on looking at the body as a whole. So I loved it. I And I'm still learning to this day. And it's developed into quite a, an enormous business for you, hasn't it? You, you do lots of different things and you, you engage in your your passion for fashion. It is extraordinary that that it turns turned out that way, Peter, because I 
only, I mean, quite frankly, I only trained as a nutritionist so that I could write health books. So I no longer needed to look for freelance jobs and work the graveyard shifts, as I'm sure you understand. And I was very fortunate in finding a really good manager who got my first book, 48 Hours to a Healthier Life, um, taken up by, by Penguin. I mean, massive publishing house. Um, I think it's the journalist. We know how to sell an idea. So I'd written a very good format for a very simple book. And it was basically the basis of my training. And they accepted it. And so then I started working very much at home and writing books, which enabled me to move to Brighton. Um and then basically, I, I worked in clinics. I worked in a London clinic. I worked in a Brighton clinic. I wrote my books. I had a good life. Um, and then I was lucky enough because of, of various property investments and family stuff. I was lucky enough to be able to retire at 60 and started taking it easy. Not for long. But I was going to say, you're hardly retired, are you? No. <laughs> well, although my philosophy in the, on that is, is really never retire. Because I think the moment that you retire, things start slowing down quite dramatically. I was actually listening to Sir Ian McKellen in an interview um, only today, and he was saying exactly the same thing. And he's 80 next year, and he said, actually, don't stop. Um, don't stop working. And I agree with him. I think I, I did get somebody, a really good friend of mine um, who lives in Paris, said to me, you'll be bored within two years. I give it two years and you'll be bored. And he was absolutely right. I did up, I moved house, I did up a house. And then it was like, well, what am I going to do now? I'm not the sort of person who goes to art classes or starts a new hobby. I'll, you know, learn the tango, although all those things are really good. Um, and it was my godchildren who gave me this idea, one of whom lives here in LA. And I, I said, yeah, I'm getting a bit bored and I need something. I tried film script writing, Peter. I tried writing a novel. I tried everything that I wasn't used to. None of them made me, none of the things I learned or wanted to try made me want to leap out of bed in the morning and get excited about work. Um, and then both of the godchildren separately suggested blogging. And for me, it was the most natural progression from what I've done all my life. I could carry on writing, except I don't have a news editor screaming down my neck. Well, I was going to say, it must be quite liberating because in a sense, it's actually like going back to radio as opposed to television because you're much more independent. Exactly. Exactly. I don't have a news editor screaming at me to hurry up. Um, I can write when I like. I do photography all the time, which is my absolute passion. I do YouTube videos, which for me is, I'm an absolute natural, obviously, to stick the camera in. I do Instagram lives. And because of my age, it's just suddenly it was it's not even four years it's I started it four years ago in September and it just took off it took about two years of learning 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 again great for the brain I don't forget words anymore and I'm convinced it's because I started blogging I was getting into that state of forgetting words and essentially what you're talking about is purposeful aging or positive aging as you describe it. yes in fact I've just going through the edit of alternative aging my book so it can be republished next year 
And I have asked them to take out every single phrase that mentions anti-aging. Because 12 years ago, we were all about anti-aging. Now I find that word very offensive. And only yesterday mentioned it in a beauty salon. I said, why are you saying anti-aging? Why are we anti-aging? It's inevitable. Well, this is why I use the word, the expression master aging, because I think it's something to be embraced. I love it. As opposed to something that the whole connotation of anti-aging to me, or anti-aging, as people here would say, is is a negative one. Totally negative anti-guns we should be anti-guns why are we anti-aging if anybody because it's always going to happen it's going to happen to all of us it's inevitable if you're lucky i'd rather be old and healthy and and alive than dead like my poor mum died far too young um so yes i'm i'm the keeper of positive aging i love the term positive aging and pro-aging let's be pro-aging so let's dig into a little bit more depth then in terms of what you do and we've talked about nutrition uh, obviously exercise and, and lifestyle in terms of nutrition this is what you trained in what did you learn what did you change and what have you evolved to in terms of how you feed yourself? Yes, it's a very good question. And it is something I try and pass on through the blog. It's not just all about fashion and, and exercise and lifestyle. It's very much about healthy recipes and what what you put in your body. I do believe we are what we eat. So if you're going to shove your body full of junk food, you're going to feel like junk. Um, so I was brought up on a healthy diet, so I've never been a great snacker. I've never been that into sweets and puddings and chocolate, luckily. Um, But what I did was tweak it all. The amount of water we drink was drummed into me like the first couple of weeks of training as a nutritionist. How much water? You know, we are 70 to 80 percent liquid. We need to replace that. And I know when I'm I'm dehydrated, I can tell. And I have a weak bladder. So sometimes I don't drink enough water and probably drink too much coffee on the run if I'm busy. Um, but I did learn how, the importance of water, the importance of living foods. This was this was 20 years ago, well before all the recent research. It's, it's taken them, the scientists, 20 years to catch up on what I was taught 20 years ago. How important fasting is. We were encouraged with on the first week, you need to fast once a week to give your body a rest. Um, all these little things that are coming out now, you know, how, how too many carbs will clog up your colon, eating the wrong kind of bread, in fact basically try not to eat too much bread, um, too much pasta, too much rice, all the heavy, heavy carbs, how bad they can be for us. But then on the other hand, too much protein is bad for us. So it was very much about living foods, juicing, drinking plenty of water, but enjoying, you know, our teacher drank cups of tea in the break. You know, it, it'd still be human. You still want to go out with your family and friends and have fun. Yeah, I mean, you've got to live. But I think there's, I mean, it's an expression that some people don't like, but moderation in everything. But I think a, a, a little bit of what you fancy occasionally. Does you good. Does you good. No, it I makes completely you feel agree. good. And I think feeling good is a big part of of longevity. Well, also, Peter, I, you've got to be happy in life. I think one of the reasons my mother died was because she was so unhappy. And I think if going out for a meal with your family and friends and having a glass or two of wine makes you happy and you laugh constantly, it ain't going to do you any harm. Whereas... 
I know of people, and I'm sure you do, who are so rigid with their health regime. I don't understand how they don't look happy, they don't act happy, and they seem to... I I think it's verging on an eating disorder. There is. Do you agree with me? There is a limit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can be obsessed to the point that, as you say, it makes you unhappy and you have unrealistic goals. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of people, of aiming for something that's just not attainable for them. And And also not being very good company. You know, if you're just going to live... I, Good luck to you if you want to live this way, but I personally couldn't. I would rather die five years younger and have a really happy life. But to spend your life just juicing and fearing away, I have a very fussy relative who won't eat nuts, who won't eat seeds, won't eat vegetables, won't eat eggs, won't eat. It's not vegan, um, but this was one of our meals. Chip picking at chicken because that's what shredders do when they're athletic. Chicken, chicken, chicken. Was so hungry after the meal, went straight out, had a chocolate pudding, and then ate a pizza the size of our heads put together. Where's the logic there? I don't understand it, and I think that's verging on an eating disorder. You mentioned fasting. So so what kind of fasting do you do? I absolutely love it. Well, as I said, 20 years ago, we were encouraged to do it once a week. Um, I haven't always done it, obviously. And then... um, Is that for 24 hours once a week? Yes, 24 hours once a week. And it was mainly juice and water. Um, And very good, you know, like a, like, as you know, like a car service, but once a week. And then, of course, Dr. Michael Mosley, who met Professor Longo, who I know you know well. From Um, USC, University of Southern California, who's developed the fasting mimicking diet. Brilliant man. Absolutely. Just so full of admiration for what he's doing. But I I, I don't know if you agree with me, but Michael Mosley brought it back to the UK where it became a BBC, very popular BBC programme. And as far as I can gather, it was done to make it easier for people. It's not Longo's premier idea. No, I it? think it's, no, it isn't. It's, I think it's inspired by the work of, of Dr. Longo, but it is, it's actually a very different regime, 5-2, and you, you've done it so you know more about it than I do, but essentially it's two days a week, isn't it, when it's, you, will, you will adopt that regime. It's very different to what Dr. Longo is doing with his fasting mimicking diet, which actually, as we speak, I'm on day six, so I've just done five consecutive days of that FMD, which means uh, about 1,100 calories on day one, about 700 calories day two to five, uh, to to a point that you do get into ketosis after a couple of days. And it's called a periodic fast, so you only do it every few months, and uh, everyone is different in terms of the gap they leave between. I'm this year doing it four times, so every three months. That is different to 5-2. To for example, with 5-2, you won't be getting into ketosis by not eating, eating for just 24 hours. So I think the effect on your body clearly is going to be different. Absolutely agree. And I, I would, I've I only done the, the, the prolong one, the, the, um, Dr. Longo's one, the five-day fast, twice. And I like doing it as a seasonal change. And I very much look upon it as my car service. I spend a fortune getting my car serviced why wouldn't I spend a little on getting my health sorted and I have to say I have never had such healthy bowels and I as a nutritionist with my nutritionist hat on 
the bowels mean everything. It would be the first question I'd ask a patient when they came in. How are your bowels? What do they look like on this Bristol stool scale? Um, And they are the healthiest they've ever been on his five-day fast. But the reason I like the 5-2 is because um, we're sitting in L.A. I've been traveling all around the States, half work, mostly holiday, Um, half work, half work. A third work and two-thirds holiday. And I can't do a fast while I'm traveling around. I'm literally trains, boats and planes. So I'm doing the 5-2, which I find really easy to do as long as I'm not socializing with people. It's 500 calories a day. It's very doable. And the weight's fallen off. Plus, I'm doing 10,000 steps a day, every single day. And I've done it so far. It's the combination, clearly, isn't it? Good exercise, diet. And then there's, they will talk about exercise in a second, but what I call the spiritual side of of life. Yes. And that is maybe putting your phone down for a few hours a day, of just reconnecting with friends and and family. And And nature. And nature. And nature. And the ground beneath us and the sun as it comes up naturally at dawn and applying your daily circadian rhythm or at least allowing your circadian rhythm to, I suppose, govern your daily habits. And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I so agree with you. And and this is something I've I've believed in for decades and written about for decades. It's I if you feel like a siesta at two, if you're lucky enough to be able to do it, go and do it. That's what the the natural rhythm is all about. And you're right, if if you wake up at dawn, your body's awake and ready. And if you need a little rest later on, get up with the sun. We 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 are supposed to live like that. I have to say to listeners that Peter looks amazingly well. Shiny eyes. You look really, really well on this. Well, that's kind of you to say. And I think that the the five two experience, and of course, there's a lot that we don't see in the effects of it. I mean, obviously, you see initially weight loss, and then you put a little bit of the weight back on. But if you do it regularly, you can have a cumulative sort of weight loss over a long period of time. But there's a lot going on inside, and the effect that it has on the regrowth of cells, your immune system your muscle cells. There's a whole sort of regeneration going on there. And then your your IGF-1, your growth hormone, the effect and possible implications for getting some of the deadly diseases of old age. So I think all together, that's what makes you look, yes, initially, but certainly feel. And I suppose in real terms, you are actually healthier at the end of it do you have you actually had the test do you know that it's benefited your body i know my body fat's gone down and that's a killer but i haven't been able to have any other tests yes in fact so i took part in the initial clinical trial the first clinical trial with humans with dr longo in 2013 and so i was one of the first 19 to do this eventually it was a group of 100 people oh, lucky and we you. had a battery of of tests blood tests looking at 
all the essential biomarkers, lipids, of course, cholesterol, triglycerides, and it was a long list of things. Blood pressure was, was measured, blood sugar, everything was measured. And there were clear benefits there. I mean, actually lowering of blood pressure was, was one of the benefits. And uh, this year I'm doing it. It's kind of an N equals one experiment with just myself this year. But I took some blood tests again at the beginning of the year. I'll take some more halfway through and then at the end of the year just to see how this uh, three-month regime is affecting me. It's the first time I've, I've done it quite so rigidly every three months over 12 months. Do you think this is a good idea? I might take this back to me and do every three months instead of every, well, nearly every three months with a seasonal change. I think it depends on the individual. I think it is really different. And I think if you are generally in very good shape, which you clearly are. Thank you. And, you know, I, and so am I. I acknowledge that I take a lot of exercise. I generally have a, a good in-between diet, as I say. It's a sort of pesca-vegan, pesca-vegetarian yeah, same as me. diet. Same as a me. A little bit of fish. Can't live without my fish. Yeah, but I feel, and as this is why we're all different, that I think for me, I need that little check and balance every few months just to maybe bring the weight down a little bit. And I do like the idea of the sort of regrowth that continually happens. So I think it's, I think it's going to suit me. And we'll look at the numbers. And I, I'm very sort of data driven. We'll see what the data says, but equally, see how I feel at the end of it. And if it feels good, well, I think that's a a big part of the, the judgment as to whether it's good for me. Do you feel as good as you look now? <laughs> <laughs> well, so they say, how do you feel in terms of your age? And, yes. I, and I've said this to a lot. I'm 56 years old and don't feel as if I don't feel how I thought I would feel at 56. Yes. Mm. I still feel I, I could be 20 years younger. And actually, we'll go further than that and say that I feel better than I was in my 30s, just, just physically. So I think the answer is yes. I mean, you can judge yes, on how definitely. I look. You look but, amazing. But how I feel, I, th- there's, there's a lot of energy there. And I think there's a lot of renewed energy because of this regime. Yes, well, I obviously need one. Do I look as if I've You're just not- had... No, I've just had five days of really bad eating because it was my brother's 60th birthday and we were in Palm Springs celebrating. So I've had... I've Okay, I fasted yesterday, but I've had five days of really bad food and I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling it. Yeah, well, you, you do. And I, I certainly, since I've changed things, you, you feel that big meal. I don't want big meals anymore. I don't want meals, especially big meals late in the day, which I... I really can't cope with. And uh, I think the very fact that you are subjecting yourself to the regime that you really know is probably not good for you. I think your body learns to reject that. My body's hated it. I've had meat twice in a week. That's so unlike me. Alcohol nearly every night, which I don't do normally. But uh, on the other hand, I think if you're generally 95% of the time living what we consider to be a, a good life and a good regime in terms of exercise and diet. It goes back to what we were saying before, a little bit of what you fancy occasionally and you're on vacation if it's five consecutive days. I've done the same. I've done it this year when I've taken some downtime, friends or family, uh, exactly the same. But then you, you, there's that check and balance. You get back into it. But also, don't you think, like a very clean engine in a car, that if you start doing it too much, the body actually tells you you know, people who constantly fill their bodies with bad fuel won't feel bad. But if you are fairly careful as we are, then as soon as you overload it, it will stop and say, hey, what are you doing? And give you headaches and aches and pains and bad sleep. Yeah, I think you, you, absolutely. Your body responds to, to essentially what you're doing to it that is 
good and, and positive. Talking of headaches, one of the first things that happen, everyone says that when you start doing a, a fasting regime, one of the first things that happens is you get headaches. And that goes. That has gone completely for me. It happened in the first couple of days and the first couple of rounds. But uh, you've got to drink plenty of water. You've got to stay hydrated, which I think is a, a key part of that. And uh, remember, there's a lot of water just in food as well. So the fact that you're reducing your food means you're reducing your water. So as long as you stay very well hydrated and maybe compensate by drinking more water during that time, you don't get the headaches. But also, I think the process of going into ketosis from burning glucose to, 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 to fats and ketone bodies, I think for some people that can give them headaches. But again, your body learns how to deal with that. And I can honestly say I really don't get those fasting headaches anymore. No, mine aren't as bad as they were. And I, I think you know, for, for the general population, for instance, my cousin is in her late 70s. She and her husband do the 5-2 nearly every week. And they're doing it. And I'm sure you, you, you receive the same kind of information, but... The majority of people, when I tell them I'm on the 5-2, they just associate it with weight weight loss. I'm not doing it for weight loss. The weight loss is a lovely bonus, but, but I'm doing it for my health. Let's talk about exercise because you mentioned, uh, in fact, when we spoke earlier today on, on the phone, you were just heading out to get your 10,000 steps. Now, I know that 10,000 is an arbitrary number thought up by someone, but it's it's a good number to, to aim for. Do you get there every day? It, I have. I've been on holiday, holiday for nearly a month. And I even on an overnight train journey from Portland to San Francisco, I still managed to get my 10,000 steps in. And I think it's, it's making it a priority. Priority. An, an athlete friend of mine said that the, the other day when his friend wasn't doing the exercise he should be doing. He said, you have to actually make it a priority. And I will always, as I'm sure you have done in the past, I will always put the work first or the, you know, the, OK, the dog needs walking, but I won't spend as long because the weather's foul. Um, but you have to actually put it in. And I've managed to work and travel and sightsee and see friends, family all over America and Canada um, and still do my 10,000 steps a day. And it's just a matter of deciding that I will and getting off maybe getting off the train earlier or getting off the bus earlier or asking the taxi to drop you further away or just saying I'm going for a walk now and not waiting for other people. So I'm really proud that I've done it. And you do apparently, according to the research, lose a pound a week if you do 10,000 steps a day, which is about four miles. It's depending on your stride, it's four or five miles. I don't think it is with me. I have little steps. Right. (laughs) But whatever it is, some days I did Griffiths, you know, to the top yesterday. Griffiths Park, beautiful place. So, oh my goodness, it was wonderful. And I managed 15,000, so I'm very tired today. (laughs) And I was fasting. Oh, mad woman. But I find actually walking during fasting is probably the easiest form of exercise to do while you're fasting. I I do, after five days, it it weakens you. Yes. And that's for obvious reasons. So I, I do cut back on the on the weightlifting and, and the gym stuff during those five days. But it's equally quite nice to have a break from it for a period. Do you do anything else apart yes, from Yes, I do. Funny you should mention the gym because just before I came away and I was doing the five-day intermittent fasting, um, 
it's not called that, is it? It's, it's, it's FMD. Pe- well, so it's periodic fasting. Period- the, 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 and people misunderstand. Intermittent fasting is actually one of those umbrella phrases. Um, I know Dr. Walter Longo doesn't really like it because it can mean lots of things. Mm. It could mean 5-2. It could mean 16-8. Exactly. It could mean 23-1 for some people, just different periods of, of relatively short-term fasting. As opposed to what he does is that, and I do, is the periodic fasting. So it's it's a chunk of fasting periodically with maybe a gap of, of several months. Between. Yeah. So that, that, that's the distinction. I think, I don't, you, I don't know what you think, but on this, but I think as time moves on and, and these regimes evolve, better terms will be found to describe them. Yes, because fasting mimicking diets is... It's one hell of a mouthful, and I find it really hard to explain. Yeah, because people say, well, you're eating food, so you're not fasting. And, and that's true. You're, exactly. You're, it's not a complete fast. You are, you're essentially tricking your body into thinking it, it's fasting, so you get the beneficial effects of, of fasting while allowing some food, and food that uh, is high nutrient, is, is low Plant-based. calorie. It's, so it's good, it's good food. Will and for health and safety reasons, in terms of your metabolism over those five days, that's the the whole point. Yes, exactly. Now I quite agree. So the last time I did that that one, the five day one, I actually had uh, to meet the. I just rejoined a gym and thought I really need to get back into weight training. I, I've always done Pilates. I do the five Tibetan rites every single morning, so I'm doing a form of yoga. Um, which stretches and keeps me fit, hopefully. And I've done that every day I've been away. But I did um, have an assessment with the gym bunny, as I call them. And he was so good that he will be my personal trainer once a week when I get back. He actually, I said, I want to be a really fit 70-year-old and I need you to get me there. And he's so for it. So that's what I'm looking forward to when I get back. When do you turn 70? Two years. It's less than two years. Yeah. It's um, a year this November. Wow. So the end of the year after next at the time of this recording. So, yes, 2020, I will be 70. Excellent. Mm. Well, so I mean, got let to be me fit. return the compliments. Thank you, you very much. You would never much. know. You would absolutely never know. So that five days of binging in Palm <laughs> Springs. You can't tell. <laughs> You're probably you. better for it. I'm sure it was fun. I feel terrible now, I have to say. Oh, really? Yes, but I think that's because at the time I felt wonderful. Yeah, I know what you mean. I felt absolutely wonderful. We had huge fun. And then I came back straight into a one-day fast and lots of exercise. Well, that's the thing, having the discipline to do that. It's, well, do you know what? It's vanity as well as health, you know, because I I was a porker. No, I wasn't, but I put on a good, good harvester, isn't it? Porker. <laughs> I was a bit of a porker. I usually go away to Australia for as long as possible in the winter. A, I was too busy now with the blogging work. B, my dog is really old now. I don't like leaving him. And C, um, it's just too far and I wanted to be out in California for a month. So I didn't go. So I was at home home in that dreadful weather and we had the worst winter ever which is typical and I warned everyone because I was there it would be so I wasn't doing the 10,000 steps it was just horrible and I wasn't getting to the gym enough you know what it's like it's much easier here in a nice benign climate the sun speaks volumes doesn't it oh I love it I'm really happy here you mentioned doing yoga in the morning question I often ask people and the answers always fascinate me and I know people like hearing about this kind of thing do you have a morning routine 
Yes, I do. I now, I think it could be down to one of your podcasts, actually. A lot of people talk about I it, yeah. I know, I think it was. Didn't you, the guy who became a triathlon at, eight, at 70? Oh, yes. And yeah, 80 absolutely. is still doing triathlon. Yeah. Didn't he say, I'm sure it was him, or it could have been. This a, was, that was Larry Sen yes, fairly recently. Wonderful, yeah. pop, wonderful. Loved hearing him. It could have been him or it could have been something on Facebook. I read everything. Um, but I now, before I, well, I drink my water first, obviously, as much water as possible. I then do my five Tibetan rites before I do anything else. Then I'm allowed my coffee. Then I'm allowed to look at the phone. Then I'm allowed to check my emails, which obviously being in LA, I have to do every morning because of the time difference. So all the work is coming to me at seven, eight in the morning. Yeah, that's my life. Yeah, the, your the, life the deluge too. Welcome. first thing in the morning. Isn't it awful? But then by lunchtime, it's all over. Yeah, it's really quite gone, understandable because they're going to bed. They've all gone home. They've nice. all gone now. Um, so, yes, I have changed my routine to make sure that exercise is done before anything. And I don't know if you know the five Tibetan rites. No, I don't, actually. Tell me. Have Look look them up on YouTube. They're, absolutely, well, they're on my blog as well. I've done a little video. They're really simple. Do you, you remember Bruce Forsyth? Oh, of course. Well, Bruce Legend. Forsyth swore by them. And, and, and for, for listeners around the world, Bruce Forsyth was the, the ultimate entertainer. Cabaret, TV host, game show host in the UK. And, Di- died relatively recently. And still tap dancing in his 80s on TV. So pretty fit man. He swore by the five Tibetan rites. And June Brown, for anyone who's a fan of EastEnders, British soap opera, she is in her 90s. She smokes, and she was recently featured on a TV program about much older, much older than me. Um, celebrities, how uh, could they could they reduce their age by going to a health place for three weeks? So it was very interesting. But she was doing her Tibetan rites. She now likes my posts on Twitter when I mention her, um, and it, it basically involves spinning around in a. You need to go and look at it, but it's basically spinning like children used to do in a um, clockwise direction and you start with one and you work up slowly because it makes you really dizzy you build up to 21 Hmm. and that is the most important that is the most important exercise out of the five because apparently according to this Indian doctor way 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 back it gets the chakras moving and your energy moving through your spine and you will not have a negative day if you start each day doing that allegedly you then do a form of a sit-up I have to be really careful because of my back um, but you do a form of a sit-up you do form of stretching back you do um, up to 21 downward dogs and that's about it you basically do five basic yoga-like exercises and for me it's essential because it's getting my old creaking body moving <laughs> in the morning every single morning and what with the 10,000 steps I've managed to do all of that while enjoying a holiday and you've mentioned it but we haven't really talked about it your obsession with oh, this obsession with fashion I'm the nutritionist with a passion for fashion the passion I, for fashion I really do I tell you what I love doing and I've sort of cornered the market for this um, is finding vintage shops vintage markets it actually started in Australia but also it's huge in Brighton and Portland in the US. Um, but I love trawling through vintage shops, vintage markets, and finding something very old. These sunglasses 
their frames are from the 50s, their original frames. I love finding things. No one else is going to be wearing them. They are completely unique. You do actually have to smell them, make sure they're not smelly. You do need to make sure... I've got mending in the shop now, but you do need to make sure the seams are okay. If they're from the 50s, they're going to be falling apart. But no one else is going to be wearing the same outfit. And more importantly than that, I'm upcycling and recycling. And I think in this day and age, I do care passionately about the planet. I care passionately about not buying clothes that were made in sweatshops. So for me, that's sort of my hobby. And it's something I can share on the blog. And unlike other bloggers, especially the young ones, I'm not going, "Ooh, look at me in my $500 dress. I'm actually saying, look at me, I bought this for $28. Because not everybody reading it has got the money to buy something that a blog has been gifted. So I'm very careful. I have great authenticity. You'll be proud of me. I turned down a massively, probably well-paid job for a sweetener company. I can't be seen to be getting into bed with sweeteners full of aspartame. Tame. So I said very politely, mm. sorry, but it's not part of my ethos. So the vintage clothes is all part of my ethos. Let's look after the planet. Let's well, do it, things a bit differently. Yeah, and it fits into uh, something I, I talk about a lot is just how simplicity and simplifying things can be so good for us. And I think that really comes down to what you're talking oh. about. You're not talking about extravagance here. You're talking about relatively simple things that could be made to maybe originally look beautiful, but or you can maybe change them a little bit, but indulge. Your, your your passion for fashion. I just love shopping. Who what women what woman doesn't? I love shopping. But I love shopping for unusual things and yes, yes, little yes, less is more. I don't want a wardrobe full of clothes I can't choose in the morning. It's actually very, very freeing living out of two suitcases and not having that much choice. Well isn't it? I mean how many times do you go to a hotel with with your suitcase and I actually prefer just to have one and you realise after a couple of days, oh I'm fine. I've got everything I need. Why do I need all that stuff? You're right. And I'm getting much better at it. And I declutter constantly. Now, interestingly, and I have written about this as well, and this is a big feng shui thing, but it was also taught to me, a cluttered home is often the sign of a cluttered colon. And if you have a clutter in your house, you're likely to have clutter internally. And a good detox. What happens in the spring? What happens every spring, Peter? I'm sure it's the same here as it is in the UK. Maybe not. Um, But every spring, people go mad in the UK. Spring cleaning, spring cleaning, decluttering. Everything you read is, I've just decluttered my wardrobe. I've just done this. And most people do a little bit of a detox at the same time. So don't tell me they're not linked. Somewhere they're linked. Mm, A cluttered colon and a cluttered mind as well. Exactly. Exactly. Because you can you can be surrounded by stuff and it just it can send you crazy because you don't know which way to turn. That's why I don't like have, yes, you're right. One suitcase would be much better, <laughs> but they're very small and they're light. We're doing uh, actually an entire pod- podcast on decluttering in uh, very, very shortly in the next few weeks. So I can't wait to excellent, hear. Excellent expert based here in Los Angeles and she's got some fantastic ideas. She's got some great ideas about downsizing as you get older and how to deal with a houseload of stuff. Maybe you You've lost your spouse and you're alone. How do you deal with with everything around you and, and the liberating effect of getting rid of stuff? 
I totally agree. It is incredibly liberating and it does usually cause a shift in your health patterns and the way you live your life. And I've seen people change dramatically after getting an expert in. Yeah, me me too. So you indulge your passion for fashion. You've got this fantastic blog. You, You travel the world. You're going to start a podcast soon? Uh, You've inspired me. I mean, I just love, well, it's my old job. I love interviewing people and I love learning more and I want to share it with with everyone um, who reads my blog. The the YouTube videos go down very well, especially in the States. So what I'm tending to do is interview people in vision and then – a clever techie is going to take it away and turn it into Into a a podcast. podcast. But what I want to do is build a stable of at least um, 10 to a dozen so that I'm ready to keep feeding. Otherwise, it turns into a weekly frenzy and I won't do it properly. And do you have a team of clever techies around you? I have have very good good I have very good friends. I've got one girl who helps me with, she's in charge of pretty. So I can write to her from here, email and say um, I'm not happy with something on the blog. Can you change the category or can you make it look better or can you change the order so she's in charge of pretty and taught me everything I know about blogging she's wonderful and is a great photographer which is very handy Um, but I also have a a great mate in Brighton who works for Apple so he's promised to do it all and he's also a producer and a sound engineer and another guy who's very good at the SEO side and again I'm so lucky I'm surrounded by very supportive friends What are your goals? What are you moving to towards what do you what are your ambitions what a question and 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 do they apply to your own longevity do you have Um, a specific number in mind or some people yes i'd love to get to 100 wouldn't you as long as i'm fit i want quality of life i've actually discussed this with my brother you know i don't want to be a burden on anyone in my family um so and godchildren i've had to talk to them do living will um as long as i have this quality of life yes i'll get more aches and pains but you know hopefully i'm not on any medication and i remember longo saying this most people my age are on up to five prescription drugs a day. I'm on none and I really want to keep it that way which is why I'll carry on exercising and fasting. My long term goal, I would love to be like Iris Apfel. I don't know if you know her. She's a very famous New Yorker. I know the man who photographed her. He's here in LA. Um, wearing mad spectacles and driving fast cars and teaching the young that age is just a number, that we're here to stay. And I very much think that my generation, the baby boomers, are going to keep leading the way. We've done it all our lives and we will keep doing it. So, you know, 60s, the new 50, who knows? 90 might be the new 70 by then. I think you could be right. I hope so. It's been a huge pleasure to meet you and to talk to you, Susie. How can people follow you? Obviously, you've mentioned the blog. You've got a fantastic Instagram following as well, haven't you? It is unbelievable. Again, it's down to my age. So anyone worried about growing older, just bear this in mind. Instagram approached me and asked for an interview simply because I was putting pretty stuff on Instagram. I did do a course to improve the Instagram photography, especially for food. But that's how it started and then I was featured by Canadian television and then it grew and grew and grew and grew. Um, 
so you can find me. Just remember alternative aging, but please spell it the English way, not the American way. It is alternative aging, all one word, A-G-E-I-N-G, alternativeaging.net. That is an interesting issue because when I started this Lama podcast, Live Long and Master Aging, oh. based here in Los Angeles, of course, traditionally, I've always spelled aging with an E, but you don't spell like that, it like that in the United States. So what do I do? And I, I just had to choose. And so I chose not to use the E because I think initially, certainly that the bigger part of the audience is here in the, in the US. I actually did a Google search and I found many, many more hits for aging without an E. Really? Which is why I, ultimately why I opted for that. But uh, it, I think it, that's a very good move. It does challenge me a little bit to leave out the E still. Well, I, as a, as like you, I, I, I have to use it, the English spelling, because I live in the UK, but also because my last book was called Alternative Aging. So because I thought of the title and it's mine, I thought, well, I'm just going to have to use this for the blog. But I, I do have the same dilemma. And I have to say, when I do my hashtags, I always do an American aging as well as a British aging. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I think perhaps when, when the Llama podcast book eventually comes out, I mean, hopefully we can do a, a British edition with, with an E. Yes, Please. And uh, one without an E. When are you well. doing the book? I don't know. I mean, you've written books. Someone said to me the other day, "Okay, you're going to write a good book. Devote an entire year of your life to it if you if you really want to do it seriously." Well, do you know what? I I would have said pregnancy time nine months. It's taken me exactly nine months for every single one. So I always refer to them as my babies. Yeah. Nine months from the research and the drafts and the da da. Till, till giving it to the publisher. Right, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm not planning that particular thing for myself in the no. near future. But, but, the, <laughs> but, the, but the idea, I, the gestation and Nine the, months. Yeah, exactly. Minimum. But some people do it in two months. Hopefully I will give birth I to a book I can't wait, Peter. I can't wait. This has been really good. And all those details that you mentioned, your URLs and that kind of thing, I will put into the show notes for this episode. And you'll find those at llamapodcast.com. That's double L-A-M-A podcast.com. You'll also find us on social media at Llama Podcast that's Twitter Facebook and Instagram as well Susie Grant really been a huge pleasure thank you very much indeed pleasure's all mine thank you Peter and thank you for listening Flexbeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the Flexbeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. Flexbeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a FlexBeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.